Yo, this is Pastor Tito here welcoming you to another episode of my Revolutionary Podcast where I'm here to help you find faith in Christ and how to follow through with your life. And we have been tackling one of the biggest things that keeps us from following through, and that is doubt. And we've been looking at different expressions, different ways, and different people who doubted in the Bible. And today we're going to focus on one of the closest people to Jesus who actually doubted him. And we're not only going to see how this person wrestled with his faith and doubt, but we're also going to see Jesus's reaction along with what the apostles did, which can give us a lot of insight on how we can proceed forward in faith, even when there are certain questions that are still left unanswered. So let's dive right in and see what we God We are doing right now, we just started, if this is your first time logging on or first time visiting, we're doing a theme for the month of September called Help Me With My Unbelief. And I know I am not the only one, especially if you're a Christian, I know I'm not the only one who ever wondered you know, and struggled with this idea of can a Christian still, can a Christian doubt and believe in God at the same time? So online, can I get somebody honest? You know, let me know. Anybody here? Can I, can I get somebody honest? Anybody ever struggled? Wait a minute. Can I still be a believer and have some doubts at the same time? Anybody? Or am I the only one? Thank you for one. All right, Marilyn, I got you. Thank you. All right. Yeah, I'm not alone. Now, the thing is that we, want, we need to break down, and this is what we started last week, and this is why we're going to do this whole focus every single week, and I'm going to repeat this every single week because repetition is one of the best mothers of all learning. And we got to really break down the word doubt. We need a better definition of the word doubt. Because when some say and some use the word doubt, we use it really, you know, uh, very loosely, right? Sometimes we use the word doubt in the sense of I don't believe. But does, does the doubt something mean not to believe fully? No. See, the thing is, you got to understand that. I know sometimes we say those, right? We say, oh, I doubt it. I doubt that it'll ever happen. Really, you don't believe. The better phrase ought to be, I don't believe that's going to happen. Because doubt isn't necessarily, I don't believe it. Doubt is I'm struggling to believe that. It's like, I believe it, but I'm not sure, right? Do you feel me on that? That's really what doubt is. That's what doubt is. And I found this, and I want to share some with you, because there's kind of, there's three kinds of doubts. Tell me if you've ever had one of these. You have intellectual doubt. Intellectual doubt is, I doubt something because I'm not sure it's true. You ever been there? Right? There's not enough evidence or there's not enough information. Someone hasn't explained it to me well enough. And so the reason why I'm not sure it's true, it's because it's just that, man. It's like, you, you got to tell me a little bit more. Talk to me some. That's intellectual doubt, that you doubt something is, you're not sure if it's true, right? Here's another one, moral doubt. I know this one is the other one. Some of us doubt things because it just doesn't feel like it's true right? Think about that one. It doesn't feel like it's true. And so that causes you to hold back. Do you know how many times I've done this? How many conversations I've had with some of you guys? That, that's it, right? We say, God loves you. Okay, I know God loves me, but I don't feel that he loves me, you know? And so that's the thing. It's like, you, you get it. You, maybe it's not the intellectual part. You know it, it's there, but then it's the emotional side. It's like, well, I just don't feel that it's true. And because you don't feel it, you're not 100% in it. The other one, mm, this one right here, this kind of spiritual doubt where you begin to doubt something is true, not because you're not sure, not because you don't feel, it's because I just don't want it to be true. That one stinks, 
It's like some, some people out there, they struggle to believe. It's like, well, I doubt God's word. Why? Because well, I just don't want it to be true. I don't want that to be true. I want it to be something else. And, and that's a key thing, guys, that I want you to understand right there, that so many times, the, a lot of what we see here, a lot of when God is trying to do the work in us, and, it, and it's kind of like hitting some roadblocks and road barriers, is because of some of these things, right? Maybe we're just not sure, or maybe we just don't feel it. But the other one is that. It's the stubbornness of our heart. I just don't want that to be true. Because if that's true, then what does that mean? If God is Lord, then that means if God is real, and I know there's some people, I know I have friends that are atheists, and, and when we see that, and, and, and when we have some of these conversations, a lot of them say, like, I just don't want it to be true, because if it's true, then it, there's a bunch of questions that come up now. So if God is, if God is real, then what do I got to do? And then God is that. And so there's so many things that stand in the way, guys, and get in there. But I need to be super clear right at the gate. I need you to know this. To doubt God is to not believe in something 100%, it's still to kind of question God. And here's the thing, to doubt God is a sin. Because to doubt God and say, whether if it's, all right, God, I'm not sure if that's true. I don't feel that that's true. Listen, I just don't want it to be true. Any of those things, I want you to know, it's a sin because you're telling God, I don't trust you. That's what you're telling them. If you doubt God's word in anything, you'll be like, mm, nah, I, don't, I don't know, God. Really? You're telling him he's a liar. But here's the good thing about Jesus, guys. This is why we were just singing a minute ago about his goodness, is that the blood of Jesus, what Jesus did on the cross and died for us, covers all of those sins, including that including doubt. And what's even better is that not only does he forgive us of the sin of doubt, but now the power of God can actually take our doubts and use them to develop our faith if we continue just to hang on. And listen, I want you to know that we're going to look at some of those that you would have figured, bro, these guys ought to be, these actually have no excuse to doubt. But if they doubted, and God still kind of was a kind of way with them, then he can do that. And he feels and treats us the same way. You're going to see, because we're going to talk about some of the disciples, some of the, the guys that if you would have figured, guys, no, no way these guys. No, these guys. We're going to look at these guys, which is going to be an interesting thing, guys. Here's, here's one thing about uh, when, when people talk about, you know, is Christianity real compared to others and this and that? You have to process this, all right? We have seen enough and we have enough archaeological evidence, both secular, you know, non-believers and believers. They know that what we have here is 99.9% .9 accurate. I mean, this is it. We have more original documentations for every single page of this, right, than we have anything else. If you're going to doubt the validity of this, you have to throw every single history book out, every single one out, if you're going to, you know, mess with this one. But... The thing is, is that when you ask them, like, all right, so the question is not, did they write it? The question is, yeah, they wrote it. The question is, why did they write it the way they did? Because if these apostles, if these 12 wanted to take over the world, you got to ask yourself two questions. Number one, why 
Were they willing to die and sacrifice and give their life for a message? They weren't in it for power or money or anything because each and every one of them, minus the guy that we're going to read from his book today, died a gruesome death. And so they're either crazy or they saw something. They're either crazy or they saw something. And then the other one is this, guys. If they, if the apostles are the ones who wrote the accounts, if they wrote the message then you would think if they're trying to create a rallying cry and create a message in a religion where others can follow them, they're going to paint themselves in the most positive light possible. So every time something happens, you see the apostles being awesome and doing this and doing that. But we see the complete opposite. We see them describing themselves as a bunch of bumbling buffoons sometimes, like, and just not getting it right. Jesus yelling at them or, or frustrated with them. And we see how they painted themselves in not flattering ways. Why? Because it actually highlights, first off, that means it was true. Because who's going to want to follow you when you describe yourself and your situation so negatively? It's because it shows the goodness of God and said, listen, guys, it is not about us. It's about him. And so let's look at some, especially one, the one that gets probably the most negative attention. And we know that there's 12 apostles. And some of you guys know, you know, guys like Matthew and John, because they have books that they wrote. You know, you might think of one more, but maybe some of y'all might struggle to go past three, right? There's one though that is known but no negatively, because he has this stigma to it. His name, and I'm sure some of you guys have heard it before, some people call him Doubting Thomas. Anybody ever heard of that name before, that phrase before? Doubting Thomas is, he just has this stigma to him, because we're going to see why today. Now, I don't know if anyone ever called you, like, you know, you know, the negative Nancy or something like that in your life or whatever. And so this guy, Doubting Thomas, why did this guy, one of the apostles was given that nickname? And it's a sad that most people remember him for that and not something better, which hopefully we're going to change that today. So we're going to look right now at Matthew, no, John 20. So that's going to be our anchor text for today. You guys can open up your words with me. We got it on the screen for you, or you can go to our website, tabernacleofgod.church. There you're going to see a message notes. Just scroll to the bottom, two swipes to the left. You should see it right there. So we're going to read John 20. Where'd I go? There it is, John 20. And we're going to read a couple of verses here as John, one of the apostles, is talking about what happened after the resurrection. So just to give you a recap before we pick this up. Jesus, at this point of the story, Jesus is resurrected from the dead, and the, he actually has revealed himself to the apostles. They were all in this upper room waiting. This is where they had spent the night previously, a couple nights prior with Jesus. They had the communion, all that stuff. You've ever seen the picture, right, of Jesus? You ever seen that? They're all like hanging out beside him. And so there he is. They're all waiting. But the thing is that they're waiting with locked doors because they're afraid. Again, these guys are not ashamed to tell you. They were in there with locked doors because they were like, they just killed our teacher. They just killed our master. They're going to come after us. What do we do? And I guess we were wrong because we didn't think Jesus was going to die. And so these guys are struggling. They're in their feelings big time. And so Jesus shows himself to some women and the women tell him, guys, we've, we're at the tomb. It's empty. They're like, doubt it right now. I don't believe you. They didn't believe him. And they sat there. Even some of them went. Peter was one of them. He went to the tomb, saw the empty tomb, saw the clothes that had wrapped Jesus and he held it in his hand. And we're like, yeah, I'm not sure. Like literally didn't get it. 
went back. They're all there. Jesus shows up. Again, locked doors. No way to get in. My guy just, whoop, you know, shows up there. And then he says, peace be with you. Like, yo, I'm pretty sure they were freaking out. So I was like, you know, calm down, guys. It's me. Here's the thing, though. All of the apostles were in that room minus two. One was Judas, the guy who betrayed Jesus. But at this point, he already had killed himself because of what he had done, the guilt and the remorse. He had committed suicide. The other one was Thomas. Thomas was not there. And so we're going to read verse 24 in a minute. And so Thomas wasn't there. And that's interesting, guys, because you're going to see, man, you miss out on a lot when you miss church. I'm telling you, man, God shows up. And so that's what Tom, Thomas missed out. Jesus showed up and Thomas missed out. I'm telling you, you're never going to know what you're going to miss if you miss church. But let's just read a couple of verses. We're going to go from 24 and 25. Now, here's one thing that we don't know before we read. We don't know why he wasn't there. We don't know why Thomas wasn't showing up. Maybe he was just soaking in his feelings. Maybe he was just, he needed like time to be away from everybody. Out of all, they were there. They were all together, hanging out, just being there for one another, struggling together. And here's my guy all alone, by himself. He shows up, and now we're going to pick it up. Here we go. Verse 24 says this, but Thomas, called the twin, was one of the 12, the original, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were telling him, we've seen him. Guys, what the, what the girls were saying, they, were, they weren't lying. It was true. We've seen the Lord. But Thomas says to them, if I don't see the mark of the nails in his hands, put my finger into the mark of that nail and then put my hand in his side. What does he say, guys? I will never believe. Let's just pause there for a second. I will never believe. That's a bold statement. I mean, I would love to be in, like, in Thomas's processing right there. I mean, here it is. Like, did he really think everybody else went nuts? That everybody else went insane? Can you see why we call him, why people call him Doubting Thomas? Right? Out of all of them, he's like, no, nah, I don't believe it. Unless I touch it, feel, sniff, whatever. I gotta, be, I gotta know. Unless I will never believe. That's a bold statement. That's a bold statement. Now, again, we don't know why he wasn't there. We don't know why he wasn't there, but man, here's something that, that we know about Thomas. Thomas is a bold dude, though. Prior to this, in John chapter 11, verses 16, some of you guys might know the story. If not, it, John was with Jesus, and they were going to heal Lazarus. See, Lazarus was one of Jesus' best friends. Lazarus dies. And Jesus is like hanging out and saying, all right, we need to go back to that city because I need to wake my boy up. I need to wake him up. And uh, the disciples are like, Jesus, the last time you were there, bro, they tried to kill you. The last time you were there, they tried to stone you. I don't think, Jesus, it's, I don't, you know, let, let, let me help you. Let me help you process this. Jesus, you need my help. This is the apostles trying to look out for him because they cared. And Jesus is like, no, I'm going. And so Thomas Verse 11, 16, Thomas says, all right, well, if he's going, let's go and die with him. That's Thomas. Thomas was a ride or die kind of a guy. Thomas was that guy. I know we all got that hype, man. We all got those people. Thomas was that. I'm like, all right, Jesus, if you're going to go, you're going to die. And if you're going to die, bro, you ain't going alone, bro. Let's do this. Let's go. That was Thomas. How did Thomas go? From within not that much time, from let's go and die with him to, yeah, I doubt it. That's a swing. That's a swing. 
because he was thinking the same thing that the others were at first. They didn't think Jesus was going to die. They thought he was going to like turn it around, do something amazing. What they were expecting Jesus to do was not die and do something bigger and better. So we talked about last week, one of our doubts, some of the doubts that we have is when God fails to meet our expectations. But what if, what if in failing to meet your expectations, he's going to try to exceed them? That's what he did for these guys, but they couldn't see it. Thomas was struggling. He couldn't see it. He couldn't see it. He says, I refuse unless I see him, unless I touch, unless I want to, I mean, I want to poke that hole where the nail, I want to slide because they had a, he had a spear in his side. I want to feel his ribs. I want to feel them ribs. If not, I will never believe. Let's look at the next part because this next part actually shows us something really unique. It shows us about his true heart. Let's look at verse 26 and 28. A week later, the same day, by the way, this happened on Sunday. God, Jesus showed up to the apostles on Sunday and Thomas wasn't there. The next week, Sunday, his disciples were there again. And, oh, hold on. Who's in the mix now? Thomas is there. A week later, Thomas was there. And even though the doors were locked, again, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he turns to Thomas. I would have loved to have seen Thomas's face. I'm pretty sure the words that he spoke were echoing in his mind when he sees the risen Jesus in front of him, like, oh no, what did I, you know? And so what does he, what happened? He goes, he tells Thomas, Thomas, um, why don't you put your finger right here? Look at my hands. Reach out, uh, reach out your hand and put it in my side. Thomas, don't be faithless, but believe. And Thomas responds, my Lord, my Lord, my God. Some of the most, guys, if, if there was a response to God, man, it is that. One of the most powerful responses ever to Jesus is those two words, my Lord, my God. But I, again, it, it, I, it might be a little tinge of like holy fear and excitement, I know I'm not the only one who's seen those videos or that TikTok when you see something, you know, that happened like, oh, Lord, you know, like that's not I think that was a little bit like this when he was like, oh, Lord. Oh, no. It's like, what what are you going to say to me? Like, I doubted you. I, what are you going to say to me? And for Jesus to say, go ahead, bro. But what you want? This is what you want to come here. Don't believe. Don't be faithless. But believe. See, guys, the fact that Thomas was still there. Was he, the, the fact that he was there the second time is a detail that I do not want you to miss. And I want you to catch Jesus' response. Guys, if anything, Jesus could have showed up and be like, Thomas, because you failed to believe. You, and he could have condemned him. He could have pointed his finger. He could have ripped him a new one, right? Why didn't Jesus do that? Why didn't he condemn him for his faithlessness, for doubting? Again, where was Thomas? He was there. Why was he there if he refused to believe? Even though he said, I'll never believe, you can tell, listen, he wanted to. Thomas, guys, was not like Judas. Out of the 12 that rolled with Jesus, Judas was the only one who was not a believer. Judas was one who was in it for himself. This is why the scripture says he was constantly siphoning money from the donations that people were giving and he was putting it in his pocket. 
And this is why when he saw, you know what, this whole thing is going south, Jesus is not who I thought he was, he pulled the parachute. That's what he did. He pulled plan B, pulled the parachute on me like, listen, before this goes, I need to make sure I get a little change. Uh, how about I, you know, I'm going to betray him for a bag of 30 pieces. How about that? And so he was looking out for himself because he was like, yeah, Jesus is not who I thought he was. He was not a believer. The other 11 were. The other 11 were. Thomas was a true believer in Jesus that he was the Messiah. Even though he made a very bold statement, he, was, he believed, but he was really struggling to believe. Do you know how I know? Because he was still there a week later. He was still there, even though he had not seen and touched and experienced. He hung in there with, even though his faith was hanging by a thread, his faith was hanging by a thread, there was Jesus to say, I love. And he responds to his doubt with grace and love. Guys, that is our God. God will constantly, when we bring him, when we hold on to him, even when we struggle with our doubts, he desires to reinforce our faith. The more we hang on, even if it's just to a little bit. And guys, let's be real. Everything in this world, you do not know and have a guaranteed assurance of how things will ever be. You don't. You did not know, those that are you know, in here today, you did not know that by getting in your car, you were going to arrive here. When the chances are, yeah, there's, there's a chance that some of y'all couldn't make it because of that. You know, online, same thing. You know how many people? There's how many people that they just don't know if you're gonna have a day the next day. There's no assurance. So all of us walk with some kind of faith and we all walk with questions. We all walk with a sense of, I'm not sure of everything, but we continue to move forward. Thomas did that, and Jesus said, bro, I'm not going to leave you hanging, bro. You hang on, I'm not going to leave you hanging. And guys, I want to tell you right now, if some of you guys have been hanging on with your faith or hanging on, wondering, asking questions, I want you to know God does not leave you hanging when you hang on to him. He doesn't. He doesn't leave you hanging when you hang on to him. And notice here what he says, man, as long as we hang in there, like what Thomas did, bro, God will reinforce our faith. But there was something else that Jesus said. It was his next part that's for all of us, because he talked about them and us. And let's, let's look back at Jesus's response. Thomas goes, my Lord, my Lord, my God. That was a statement showing, God, I believe that you are not just my friend, my teacher, my master. You are the Lord. You are the Messiah. You are the Savior of the world. My Lord, my God. And look what Jesus says, verse 29. He says, because you have seen me, Thomas, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. That's an interesting phrase. Guys, I want y'all to know, yo, some of y'all got to claim that one today. Can anybody claim that one today? That's for you guys. Can we claim that one today? It's like, blessed are you, Thomas. You get to see what very few I mean, Moses and the, and the prophets, they, David, they were all hoping to see what you guys are seeing. So you guys are blessed that you guys get this opportunity, but blessed are those who will believe, even though they didn't have the same experience as you. Blessed are those. Think about it last week. Last week we talked about John the Baptist doubting, and Jesus said, blessed are those who are not offended by me. Meaning, blessed are those who still believe even when they don't understand what I'm doing that they trust me. Blessed, blessed are those who trust me in the middle of their tension because I'm not going to leave them hanging. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to leave you hanging. And here we see another one. In the face of doubt, blessed are those who believe. 
yet do not see everything fully. Have not seen, they yet believe. Now, why do we believe, guys? Why do any of us believe? We, you know, we haven't seen Jesus. We haven't touched. I, I didn't feel my guy's ribs. I, I don't know. I haven't had that experience. But why do I believe? It's because I have come to see myself and see him. And when I saw my sin in me and I looked up to him, he wasn't there with a pointing finger. He was there with an open hand willing to help. He wasn't there with a pointing finger. See, I told you, no, he had an open hand. I said, you trust me? You want to give that to me? And I gave him my sin and he became my Lord and my God. And when he, I gave him my life because he gave me his. And so that's why, and then we see and experience in so ways, Peter actually doubles down with this later. I got to share with you. I love showing you guys connections. First Peter, can we put it up? First Peter uh, 8 and 9, look what Peter tells the church. Uh, years later, he's encouraging. He echoes Jesus' words right here in First Peter 8 and 9. He says, in this context of verse 6, he's talking about trials and how difficulties can actually help to develop us. But then he says in verse 8, though you have not seen him, what? You love him. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though not seeing him now, you believe in him and you rejoice with an expressible joy, with an, um, with an expressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And so see, that's something that he's echoing Jesus right there. And that's so amazing that guys, this is the God that we have, that he has done it all for us to cover every single one of our doubts, every single one of our questions, every single one of our faithlessness, his blood can cover it all. And here we are and we can say and call him also, my Lord, my God. And I love the fact that man, Thomas, uh, Thomas must've been so relieved. A week ago, he wasn't sure. And now here, here is a God who is so gracious and good. But you know what? You would have thought that would have been enough, right? If you were Thomas, do you think that would have been enough? If you were the disciples, do you think that would have been enough? You think, right? You think. Look at Matthew 28. I think I got it. Can we put it up? Matthew 28, 17. I think I got one more verse for you. Jesus, uh, sometime later, okay, at the end of everything, he is about to ascend, go back up to heaven, and he's about to give, and he gives the, the apostles the his great commission. He says, all right, now go into all the world and baptize everybody in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And listen, you know, go and save souls. Tell them what you have seen and go and know I will be with you always until the very end. And then Jesus <laughs> takes off. And the response in Matthew 28, Matthew being one of the ones, Thomas was there. Verse 17, when Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, verse 17 says this, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some, what did they do? Still. What? They still doubted? How? Why? They still doubted. Do you know what they were doubting? They weren't doubting God necessarily. Maybe like, is this too good to be true? What's going on? You know what they were? They, God, they were doubting themselves. Jesus said, all right, guys, here's the go. I'm going to give you the ball. Go. Run the play. It's on you. Go. Tell the world. I give you all authority has been given to me. I'm going with you. Go. And they started to doubt. It's like, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why you got to go? They started, they, they, some of them doubted themselves. Like, wait, can, can I, God? You, you, no way. Not me. Really? Me? I, I, can I do that? I, you're not here the way you're, uh, I, I'm not sure. 
They doubted themselves. But here's the thing, guys. I, this is why the sin part, I need you to understand. If you doubt yourself, in essence, you're doubting God too. Because if you're saying, I can't, in essence, you're saying, and if you stop there, I can't, you're saying, God, I can't, meaning, no, there's no way you, look, I'm such a mess, bro, I'm telling you, you can't even fix this, you, you can't even do this, like, that's what you're telling him, if you say, you know, if you doubt yourself, but it's a good thing to doubt yourself in the sense of knowing, yeah, I can't, but God can through me, it's different, I got to lean on him, but here they say they doubted, but you know what's amazing, though they doubted, God showed up, Holy Spirit filled them, and these same guys who doubted the truth of God and doubted him to his face or doubted themselves, God used these dozen to change the world. These stubborn, many times faithless, I mean, these guys that just didn't get it all the time, God used them because it wasn't about them. It was all him. It was all him. And so if God can use them, what's your excuse? None. Oh, and talking about Doubting Thomas, y'all, I, I, we got to put some respect on his name. We most remember him for being the one who doubted. Do you know that many don't remember him as the one out of the 12 apostles who went the furthest and took the message of Jesus further than any one of them did? Within a few years of that moment, Thomas went all the way to India and in Asia. Guys, I want you to know, for us right now, you can hop on a plane and be there in a couple hours. To do that kind of a travel with, and you're, this is not like an envoy. This is not like a business. This is not like a, um, you know, a king that's sending you like that. This was an expensive trip. He went further than any one of the apostles all the way to India to tell people about Jesus. And there's churches today in India that actually can trace their lineage and say, this is where Thomas was. This is where he was. Doubting Thomas didn't remain doubting. Thomas got it done. God used him to do something amazing. And there is people, the gospel went to Asia because that God took a man who questioned him and turned it around. Only God can do that when we do what Thomas did, guys, and let's just hang on. And I know that's maybe not an answer some of you guys want to hear because so many of us, we want the shortcuts. God, just, just give me the cliff notes. How many of y'all did you, let's be real, who, who read books in high school? Yeah, who read books in high school? Some of y'all did. Who read the cliff notes? Everybody. Who read the cliff notes? Who just, who just asked the neighbor next to you, bro, just give me what was it about, right? You didn't even bother with the cliff notes. We always want the shortcuts. But this is the thing, guys, is that sometimes God wants to take the long, the detour. Because in the detour is he wants to take his time and do something in you. And that's what it's going to take to draw you out. And so we talked about a minute ago, is doubt the same as not believing God? Well, let me, let me read a quote from John Calvin. He said this, Surely while we teach, as Christians, while we teach that faith ought to be certain and sure, we cannot imagine any certainty that is not tinged with doubt or any assurance that is not assailed with some anxiety. He's just being real. He's just saying the same thing I said. Like saying, listen, how many of us, we can be so sure of things, and only for one scientific study to come out and be like, yeah, guys, I'm not sure. I think it might be a little different. You know, I mean, it happens all the time with coffee. It's great for you. It's not great for you. It's going to kill you. It's going to save your life. You know, right? It's going to make you fat. It's going to make you skinny. Golly, it's like, and it's all around and around and around. Like we could be so sure of things and then not sure. And he's saying the same thing when it comes to our faith, guys, it's the same. We can be sure of God and yet still have some fill in the blanks that we're not sure of yet. 
But God has filled enough blanks in an empty tomb for us to trust him. He has filled enough blanks and left that. That one blank is, though, is enough. And that one is enough for us to be able to hang on in the middle of all the other nonsense. That is enough. And I want you guys to know this. A true, how, let me say it this way, how a Christian responds to doubt actually reveals if they're a true disciple or not. Let me say that again. How a Christian responds to doubt is actually sign of if they are a true disciple. How did Thomas respond to doubt? He still showed up. He kept going. We don't know. He just hung in there. Guys, a true disciple is someone, that's the mark of a true disciple is perseverance of the faith. That's a sign of a true disciple. That you're not in it just when God gives you what you want. And when God doesn't give you what you want and say what you want, I'm like, I'm out. Okay, no. A true sign of a true disciple is someone who asks tough questions even. I love the tough questions. If you're wanting to know an answer, I mean, if, you want, if you're gonna ask a tough question, be, re- be ready to hear a tough answer, and then it's all up, up to you at that point. But how Christians respond to doubt actually is a huge sign of if they're a true believer or not, as they keep on pursuing God, questioning what they believe, yet still believing while they're questioning. Yes, that's possible. When you do it with a sincere heart, when you know that your faith is in my Lord, my God, my Savior who conquered sin and death on the cross and in the grave. When you have that assurance and when you hold on to that, guys, that's enough. And so for some of you, if you for all the Christians that are watching in here, I, this is my, my handle for you that I want to give you. Because you are, you are going to face times when you're not sure. Something happens in the world. Something happens in the news. Something happens in your life. Somebody brings up a question that you've never thought of and I've never helped you with. And you're going to wonder, whoa, hold on. What do I do with this? What do I do with this? Something happens in your life, this feeling or this action. Like, well, what do I do with this? Well, if you're a Christian, here's the thing. Every time you doubt, reflect on what Jesus has done. All right? Every time you doubt, reflect on what Jesus has done. Thomas hung in there, and God reaffirmed his faith because he hung in there. And so every time you doubt, don't let that doubt turn you away from God. No, run into him with those questions. Bring those questions. Wrestle with that, because what if God is trying to wrestle something out of you? And it's difficult because you got a death ninja grip on it, and he's trying to pull that out. And that's on you. You're like, no, no, I don't want to. No, not yet. But sometimes, guys, God brings us into these places to just to get us alone, to be able to say, all right, bro, it's just me and you now. Let's go. All right? Because he wants us and he wants to bring us that much closer to him. And so if you are a Christian, if you have your doubts, if you have questions, have them. But don't hold on to them. Because the longer you hold on to them, don't do anything with them, it's going to be like an infection. It's just going to take over. Have your doubts, but don't hold on to them. Reflect on what Jesus has done and put your trust in him and he will reaffirm that faith. Can I give you another one? Can we all as a church now, that's the individual application, as a general church application, can we be like the other 10 apostles? A week before, Thomas is like, I don't believe none of y'all. All y'all are liars. Unless I see and touch, I, don't be- I will never believe. You know what the other 10 didn't do? You gonna be like that? Here's the door, right? Here's the door. You gonna be like that? All right, go ahead. Go ahead. You gonna be like that? Go. 
A week later, where was Thomas? Here's a, oh, Thomas. Remember what you said? No, you know, they didn't bring up. Remember? Oh, I still remember what you said. Oh, look at who's Tom Lucas here today. You know what they said? Thomas is here. Thomas, come on, bro. You're welcome. Come on. The other 10 welcomed Thomas. Do you know if the other 10 would have judged Thomas? Thomas would have never had that experience with Jesus. Y'all catch that? If the other 10 were to be, oh, you don't believe? Then, you know, excommunicated, you know, oh, cut, you're out, you know? Like, they would have, they, he would have never had that encounter. But they said, oh, you, where are you at? You still don't believe, right? Oh, but you, you want to be with us? That's cool. Do you guys know that they modeled what Jesus did? Jesus, when he called his disciples, he walked to them and he walked up to them and he said, oh, hey, you, believe in me. Believe in me. But no, he didn't say that. Some of y'all know what he said. He looked at each and every one of them and said, hey, will not you follow me? You know what he said? Meaning God gave these apostles, before they were apostles, he gave them permission to belong before they believed. He gave them permission to belong. And guys, as a church, I love this about us because I know I hear it and I want to reaffirm it. What gets rewarded gets repeated. And I want us all to catch this if you didn't know it. I love hearing when people describe our church and say, listen, you know, I, I don't believe in maybe everything. I'm not sure. I'm struggling to believe. But bro, I, I don't, you don't make me feel a kind of way for not believing yet or believing at all. That's what I hear about you guys. That's what I hear about you guys. That when you show up, you're like, you know, I just didn't feel like the eyes and the rolls. I, I didn't feel that kind of way. I felt, even though some people knew who I was before I showed up and even as I'm showing up, but yet y'all made me feel like I belonged. Do you know how many lives have encountered Jesus because you guys created an environment where somebody could first belong and because they felt like they belonged, God met them and now they believe? I love y'all. I love you guys. That's awesome. That happens way more than what you think because once we create that environment where people can belong, oh, they hang out long enough, man, God's going to show him. They will see the love of God in us and through us, and they will believe. And then when we believe, the behavior takes care of itself. We don't have to worry about that. God handles that. We don't do that. I'm not here to shape your behavior modification. That's not me. All I'm here to tell you is, regardless of how you believe or where you are, you belong. You're welcome. God will handle the rest. I trust him. That's amazing. And the last one, guys, if you have never... Maybe you're not just a doubting Thomas, maybe you're the other side, you just don't believe, all right? You're that negative Nancy, right? And you're just like, no, nah, I just don't know Jesus and this and that. You know, maybe you're just like, well, I'm just not sure. I haven't heard enough. You know, maybe I, I just, I'm not sure if it's enough. Or maybe some of you, maybe you, maybe you want it to be though. It's not that you don't want it to be because if you don't want it to be true, y'all wouldn't be here. If you, online, if you're watching me right now, it's not because you're logged on, not because you don't want this to be true. Y'all logged on and some of y'all showed up because you low-key like want it to be true. You're just not sure. You want it to be true. That's why you're hanging in there. That's why you showed up. Because you want it to be true, though you're not sure. And, and I love, you know, I heard that phrase, some, you know, some people struggle with this. I'm like, all right, this Jesus thing, all right, all right, Pastor, I get it. All right, Jesus loves me. Um, you know, God can use me. It's amazing. Sounds too good to be true, though. Sounds too good to be true. But that's what's awesome because it's true. That's why it's so good. That's why it's called good news. It's not too good to be true. It's true. That's why we call it good news, because he does live, and he does love, 
And there is so much. You and I have failed him beyond what you and I can ever imagine. And then here he is saying, y'all come home. You belong and I love you and I did it for you despite all of that. Guys, you are all, all of us that are hanging in there. You're all here. Y'all logged on. Y'all, y'all, y'all showed up just like Thomas showed up. You're here. You're here because you're holding on. You're holding on to your faith. Some of you guys are Christians and you're, you're holding on in the midst of a question, a prayer that has gone unanswered yet, but you're holding on. Know that God does not let those, he doesn't, you know, those things are not unseen. He sees. He sees and he wants to affirm your strength. And no, you may be holding on to him, but you have to know he is holding on to you. And praise God, his grip is better than ours. Okay? Praise God that his grip is better than ours. And in the same way, guys, that we're all here persevering, hanging in there, I want you to know Jesus is here too. He always is. He is always here holding on to us. And so may we praise and knowing that Whatever else we're holding on to, questions or, or insecurities or, or, or sin or struggles or wounds, we have a God who holds on to us with one hand and with the other, has an open hand saying, can I have those two? And may we take our, all of those things and may we praise the one and only God and, and him and call out on his name and say, Lord, with all my issues, I praise the name that say, Lord, that I can still call you my God, my Lord, and he calls us my beloved, you're my child. That's us. That's him. And so I want to challenge you right now. I want you guys to just to reflect and respond right now to what God is doing. So let's just take a minute. Let's just take a minute. I want to pray. I want you to pray for you, pray over you right now. And I want you really to lean in and listen. Because for some of you, Jesus is reaching out to you and he is waiting for you to reach back just like he was Thomas. Heavenly Father, I want to praise your name right now. I want to thank you, Jesus, that in the same way that that you were gracious and kind to Thomas, Lord, you have been kind to us. He was a twin and we are are his twins. We, all of us, there's not one of us here who have believed perfectly. Not one of us here who have not struggled to believe. Not one of us here who can be guiltless of sin. And Lord, we are so grateful, God, that you are the same yesterday, today, forever. You live, Lord, and you love and and you are still persevering and you are still pursuing us just like you pursued them. And God, in in the same way that there was no locked door that can keep you out of that room, God, I pray that there may, may be no closed mind or closed heart that may keep you out, Lord, that you may help and open their eyes, Holy Spirit, to each person who is seeing and there you are reaching out to them. I want you, if you're a believer in Christ right now, I want you just to process and think whatever. If you have a certain doubt and you've been feeling a kind of way, I want you right now to, as you're, maybe God's not showing up the way you thought he was, or you're praying and you're asking, why isn't he answering? Why isn't he praying? I believe, but I'm still struggling in it. Can you praise God that he is still working in your life, though you don't see it? Praise him right now, though he is making a way, though may you, you, don't, you don't feel it, you don't see it, your God has not abandoned you. So turn that doubt right now into praise and just glorify God. Thank him right now with your own words. Thank him right now and say, God, I know that you have not abandoned me. I know that I am not alone. I know that you are doing a work in me. Forgive me for my stubbornness. Forgive me for my ignorance, Jesus.
Some of us, some of us, some of us, you doubt that God could use you. You doubt that God, you want it to be true. You want, you want, Lord, I, I know God has a purpose for my life, but I'm not, I've done too much. I've done too much. I have done, and I've done, there's no way. It's, there is no way anymore. Listen, I'm here to tell you that is a lie from the enemy because if you still have breath in your lungs, if you still have a pulse, if you still have a heartbeat, God can do something amazing in you. And it is not because you're awesome. It's because he is, and he wants you to see. He wants you to be able to experience that love. And so some of you need to surrender that pride and say, God, forgive me for doubting that you could use somebody like me and hand him that sin, hand him your insecurities. Hand him your insecurities, and I pray that the breath of life and the Holy Spirit may lift up your voice and lift up your head, and that you may be gracious and grateful that you can still call on your Lord and your God for his love and for everybody else. Listen, if you want life, listen, if you want to truly find it, it's in a name. It's in the name and it's in Jesus. All you have to do is call on Jesus and say, I, Jesus, believe. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you're reaching out to me. I believe you're calling on me. I believe that you're alive. God, forgive me of my sins. Thank you for giving me your life and I give you mine. May we reach out, each and every one of us right now, reach out continually to our God and, and praise his name that he has made a way for sinners like us to claim and call on the name of Jesus that we can call him my Lord, my God, my Savior, my friend, and that he proudly responds and says, my child, I love you. Welcome home. We pray these things and we believe in these things and we declare these things. And in the midst of even our, anything that we're unsure of, Lord, we hang our assurance on the resurrection. Jesus, in the same way you came once and did what you did, you're coming again and you will do what you plan to do. And we praise your name that you will not abandon us or leave us ashamed. It is in the name of Jesus that we hold and call on to. And church, if you believe in your Lord and your God, say what? Amen. Every time you doubt, focus on what Jesus has done. That's the biggest encouragement that I can give you when you wrestle with doubt. When you struggle with doubt, when you struggle and you're having a question, you don't understand why are things happening the way they are. When you doubt, focus on what Jesus has done. That's one of the biggest answers that can help us in the in-between time. And we can learn from the Apostle Thomas. We can see that what's the best way to wrestle with doubt? First off, don't do it alone. And second, second, keep going. Keep pushing on because God will reinforce your faith when you hang on. And hey, can we learn from the other apostles as well? The way, again, how they were welcoming, encouraging. They did not dismiss and keep Thomas away because he didn't believe them a week ago, but he belonged. And the more as a church, we can create a culture where people belong. Oh, and they hang around long enough. They'll believe because they will see the love of God in us and through us because it is only the Holy Spirit that can reveal to them the truth. It's up to them to decide to believe. And once they believe, the behavior will catch up. 
All right. But that's the most important part, man. Focus on that. Keep pressing in. If you're like Thomas and you're not sure why things are the way they are, why God's not answering your prayers or why your experience isn't like somebody else's experience. Hang on. God is good. He has never failed you once and he will never do it in the future. Hang on and God will show you who he is.